Market Mania has returned. Welcome, ladies and gents. It's good to be back. I wasn't here last week. Markets were closed on Monday in observance of Labor Day. It is a pleasure to be back with you guys. Anyone who's listening, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for the continued support. And if you guys enjoy this, then you will also enjoy our Wednesday episodes. They come out at 6 a.m. every single Wednesday. That's where the whole gang gets together. Audio Master Jay Cotter, uh, co-host Nolan Claypack and I, and we talk about some interesting stuff. Sometimes it's aliens. Sometimes it's uh, sometimes it's economic related. Uh, sometimes it's politically related. We just talk about interesting stuff, and you're going to want to listen to this next one because we're going to be talking about a 1.8 million year old tooth. So check that shit out. It'll be interesting. So before I get into the three articles for today, oh, actually, I should mention that we are now in 4K. This is the first Max Morning Market Mania in 4K. So for anyone who's watching, enjoy because it's looking real good. So before I get into these three articles, I'm going to give you guys the daily scoreboard. I'm going to tell you guys what moved and what or how much it moved in the last week. I'm going to go over the major indices, oil, gold, some commodities, etc. So the Dow Jones up 1.14% on the week, the Nasdaq up 2.35% on the week, S&P 500 plus 1.99%. Crude oil very recently, last week, we saw it at its lowest level since January 24th of this year, 2022, of course, and it has rebounded a little bit, but it's still down 0.75% on the week. Gold, kind of a slow mover. She was up 0.29% on the week, but silver was shining a lot brighter than gold at plus 4.54%. And actually, I was trading some call options on a silver miner called First Majestic Silver, and I ended up doing pretty good on that one. In at nine, out at 49. So that's probably my best play of the last couple months. The Dixie, and that is DXY for anyone who isn't familiar with that term. That is, it measures the strength of the US dollar relative to other currencies. And we know inflation is ravaging the entire world, especially in Europe, they're, they're experiencing record inflation. So with their currencies being further devalued, our currency has been gaining a lot of strength, and we actually saw the DXY at its highest level since 2002, June of 2002, and that was up, uh, it was about flat. Actually, I didn't even write it down. I'm lying. I forgot to write that part down, but I have it right here on my favorite website, tradingeconomics.com, DXY minus 0 0.6 or minus 0.51% on the week. So that's actually a pretty big move for the dollar index. It was at 110, and then it went back down to about 108. And then we have some crypto. Bitcoin up 7.8% on the week. Ethereum up 11% on the week. And then my least favorite crypto, because, well, if you guys listened to previous Max Morning Market Manias, you probably heard me talk about the Terra Luna incident, where tens of billions of dollars of investors' funds were lost because it was a fucking Ponzi scheme. And this, this CEO, he, he thought it was a brilliant idea. I'll just come out with a new one, and somehow people are still trusting him. And that crypto, as we know, it went from like 100 bucks to like $0.00007 per token, which is like a 99.999% drop. It was actually up 79% on the week. And on the month, it was up 416%. And that's even after the 
price kind of fell off a little bit. Some people took some gains, they sold off. So I think it was up as high as like 600 something percent when I looked uh, earlier this morning or maybe last night. And then last but not least, we got the 10-year treasury. She is at 3.32%. And the highest it was in as of recently, it was at just shy of 3.5%. So it's creeping back up to its recent highs. And that was up 0.12% on the week. And that is the daily scoreboard. Let's get into this first article. This is an article from Zero Hedge. And it was submitted by Ronan Manley. And he is a brilliant guy. He studies the precious metal space. And as you guys know, I'm a I'm a gold bull, I'm a gold bug, I like sound money, I like money that the government can't destroy. So I figured this article was interesting for you guys. Eurasian Alliance plans a Moscow world standard to destroy LBMA's monopoly in precious metals pricing. What is the LBMA? That's the London Bullion and Metals Association. Here in the United States, we have the COMEX, uh, the London Bullion Metals Association and the COMEX, they run the show in terms of precious metals pricing. And as I've talked about before, JP Morgan and their cronies there, they got busted for spoofing, which means they were artificially manipulating the price of precious metals and they were manipulating them downward. And they, some people got in trouble. I don't remember their names, but a couple of them got like 9, 10, 11, 12 charges. And they're going to be in deep shit. And it's these whole organizations that do the manipulating and allow for it to happen. And Moscow was like, eh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll uh, threaten the, their uh, monopoly in the precious metals scheme. So uh, according to Russian media, Moscow and a number of Eurasian allies are now reviewing a proposal to create an entirely new trading and pricing infrastructure for the international uh, precious metals uh, infrastructure in order to both destroy London and New York monopoly over global precious metals pricing and to stabilize the Russian gold market. So I definitely checked this out. This is a zero hedge article, as I said. Uh, there's three bullet points that I wanted to mention. This infrastructure would take the form of a Moscow world standard for precious metals pricing akin to the London good delivery list of the London Bullion Market Association. So Scratch what I said before, it's the London Bullion Market Association, not the London Bullion Metals Association. Uh, I can't believe I got that wrong. I thought I was pretty familiar with that. Hey, we all make mistakes, but I'm doing my due diligence and I was corrected. A new international precious metals exchange headquartered in Moscow based on the MWS and known as the Moscow International Precious Metals Exchange. A price fixing committee, committee with price discovery and new precious metals price fixings based on the MWS and reference prices derived in the national currencies of participant countries or in new international settlement units. Uh, so this is expected to send shockwaves through the Western Central Banks and their bullion counterparts. I am personally a fan of this, whether it's Moscow, you know, right now the narrative is Russia bad, which, I mean, they are invading a country uh, that's not good. Uh, we should be civilized people and not do that shit. But they don't like our corruption in the United States, and I don't blame them. I don't like it either. I've lost money because of their corruption, and I'm, I'm frankly not a fan of it. I'm ready for the COMEX and the LBMA manipulation to completely end, so I think this is a good thing. 
and we'll, we'll see what happens with it, but this news came out in late July, and we'll see what happens. As we've heard, a lot of rumors, and uh, well, some of them aren't even rumors. Uh, Putin has talked about putting the ruble on the gold standard so that they can strengthen their currency and stabilize it and whatnot. He did briefly, he fixed the price of gold to rubles, but because of the volatility in the Russian ruble, they ended up canceling it pretty quickly because the uh, Russian ruble to uh, against the dollar, it moved right before the uh, Ukraine invasion. It went from like 60 or something, 60, 70, up to 130, which means their currency is being completely destroyed. And then now it's back down below previous levels. Their currency is even stronger than it was prior to that. So that's interesting. Definitely check that out. And we have a second article. This is from the Global Times. Good to get worldly news. A global economic crisis like 2008 is looming, but world seems unprepared. Former Deputy Director General of the World Trade Organization said that. So his name is Yi Xiaojun. Yi Xiaojun. That's probably wrong. I don't, I don't speak Mandarin. I don't know how to pronounce that shit. But... Uh, he was a high-up individual, formerly, of course. He was also the vice minister of commerce. And he said a few interesting things. The global economy is at risk of stagflation with high, interest, or with high inf rates of inflation, debt, and interest rates, and at the same time as low growth. If Russia-Ukraine conflict is prolonged, it will definitely further aggravate global shortages of energy and food, which will trigger a global economic crisis similar to that of 2008. I've been talking about this. I think this is something that is inevitable. It might not be imminent, but we're seeing energy shortages all over Europe, and I'll get into that a little bit more in the next article as I talk about uh, a recent happening with the Nord Stream pipe pipeline. But this will likely get worse, and I agree with what he says here. You know, I bring up these articles because they're interesting, so obviously I'm going to recommend that you check them out. All the links will be in the bio, or not the bio, the, the description. So another paragraph from this article. He stressed that in the face of these global crises, no country, big or small, can remain immune and unaffected, and no country can cope with the crises alone. For the common interests of their own countries and mankind, all countries, especially major countries, should abandon the zero-sum Cold War mentality take the initiative to shoulder their due responsibilities, strengthen multilateral cooperation under the framework of the G20 and other relevant international systems, build more bridges, and reconnect the deeply divided and fragmented world. So what he's saying there, basically, is that we need to come together and we need to fix it together. The U.S. alone can't fix it. Uh, China can't fix it alone. Europe can't fix it alone. And all of these countries, they're experiencing inflation. All these countries, they have record uh, debt-to-GDP ratios. And by that, I mean uh, a debt-to-GDP ratio. It's how much debt versus what, what's your GDP. And right now, the U.S. is, I think, around 140% their debt-to-GDP. I'm going to go on usdebtclock.org right now, and I'm going to look. Oh, the current debt-to-GDP ratio is 124.42%. So it would take 1.24 years 
of our entire GDP, our entire total economic output, just to pay for our debt. And we're not the only country that's facing that. China's is really bad. Japan's is, uh, I believe, the worst in the world. And these are major economies. And when one, when one part of this breaks, they'll, it'll likely all break. It's like the Hoover Dam. It gets one big crack, and then it just adds the pressure. And that crack will just get worse and worse and worse until, bam, and then it breaks. And that, that is something that I think is going to happen unfortunately, but there are ways we can prepare and potentially profit off of this, one of which diversify your assets. Uh, if you could diversify uh, through different countries and uh, investments in different countries, that might be of help. Maybe putting your, your dollars into sound money like gold and silver, which will probably end up doing pretty well if the entire system collapses. Uh, so the they also mention in this uh, stagflation, and I'm going to define that just in case any of you don't know. I just realized that it, it's not really a common term, and a lot of you might not know what that means, but it's a period of little or no economic growth combined with inflation. So if you're going to have inflation, you'd hope that the economy is growing because that might combat the inflation a little bit and make it seem less bad. But if there's no growth and the currency is being devalued, then it's a double whammy. It's two bad things, and them colliding make it even worse. Check out that article. We're moving on to the next one. This is from Politico. Not a huge fan of Politico because they have done some of their, uh, Facebook has used them for some of the fact-checking bullshit in the past, and Often of times I disagree with it, and sometimes I'm not adequately satisfied with their explanations because for whatever reason, I believe there to be biases. And if you want to know who funds Politico, maybe go do some deep research and see what their best interests are. And then you'll notice that the person funding Politico, they're advancing all of their agendas. But beside the point, I'm still... Uh, checking out this Politico article because it is about something different, and it's just objective uh, news reporting in this case. Putin shuts off EU's supply. No, e Putin shuts off EU's Nord Stream gas supply. So this is the biggest uh, natural gas pipeline that is headed to Europe, and 40% of Europe's natural gas comes from Russia. And as of recently. Uh, Gazprom is the company that runs this, and when the sanctions happened, this, this stock just fell off a cliff, and then it got restricted from trading in the United States. I'm actually not really sure what happened with that. I haven't followed up on it. I looked on uh, the stocks app on Apple, and it doesn't even show up anymore, which is odd. Uh, maybe it's just because of the sanctions or something, but anyhow, as of recently, They've only been operating at 20% of their uh, total capacity, and they blame that on maintenance issues. And Berlin isn't buying those explanations. And recently, they said that the equipment has been taken offline until it gets repaired. And I heard some stuff about them uh, calling to lift the West's sanctions and Europe's sanctions on Russia, and it's kind of like a, it's like a battle. I mean, it's like a game of chess. These people, they're... Uh, in Russia, if they were to deliberately do this, 
then they would get more leverage because Europe is so ridiculously dependent on Russian gas that if they cut off the gas, then they're kind of in a pickle. They don't really have anything to do. They don't have adequate uh, energy alternatives to compensate for their losses of this. And we've been talking about this for months. Europe is heading in an energy crisis, and in this cold winter, it's going to be very expensive to heat their house, and some people aren't going to be able to afford it, or maybe there will even be shortages. So whether Gazprom is doing this intentionally or there's actually maintenance that needs to be done, that's for you to decide. I don't know the answer, but uh, on another note, Germany plans to shut down all nuclear power plants, but recently decided to keep two online for backup. I think this is so stupid. Why would they be shutting down their nuclear power plants? This is the most, this is the cleanest, most efficient energy on the planet, and it's, it's carbon neutral. I, I absolutely love nuclear energy, and I think that the world will eventually be running on it. Uh, obviously, there will be a long transitory period, but it's far more efficient than solar, far more efficient than wind, more efficient than gas. And I, I'm all for nuclear energy, but Germany isn't for whatever reason. And in the face of this energy shortage, they're still not that open-minded to it. Why, why is it that they would still continue their plans to take all these nuclear reactors offline when they're facing energy shortages? And they're online just in case they need it. That's what the CNBC article said. What do you mean? Why, why aren't you just producing the energy? I mean, that's, that's good electricity that your people and your country can use instead of relying on Russian gas. I mean, it doesn't make sense. I don't know what's going on, but you can make your own opinions about that. I'm all for nuclear energy. And with that being said, that's three articles. I gave you guys the daily scoreboard. Thank you so much for tuning in and be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all that fancy stuff. Uh, if, if you have a friend who's interested in finance and they don't really know where to begin, send this podcast their way. It'll, it might be able to open up their mind. It might be able to uh, ponder some thought. Maybe it'll incentivize them or encourage them to, to you know, uh, gain knowledge in their financial lives and do whatever they can to advance their financial future so that they can protect themselves so that they don't have to rely on anybody else. Be sure to check out our other podcast, as I said, every Wednesday, 6 a.m., the guys and I get together and we shoot the shit, we have some fun, we talk about some interesting stuff. So you're going to be listening to this on September 11th, 2022, and two days following that on Wednesday, you're, you are going to be sure to want to check out that episode because we're going to talk about a 1.8 million year old tooth, and we're also going to give a uh, maybe a different perspective on this uh, Nord Stream pipeline going down or being shut off or whatever. And we might be able to get some different perspectives. Uh, we'll hear Jay Cotter, Audio Master Jay Cotter's take on it, Nolan's take on it. So be sure to check out both podcasts. If you liked it, share it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate all the support, guys. You guys enjoy your life. Take advantage of the power of compound interest. Learn about finance, learn about investing, and do what you can to protect yourself. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening.